It's so good to be with y'all here on a Sunday morning, Sunday before Father's Day. Where you at, dads? Come on, it's good to see y'all as well. So uh, I was just told there's going to be a special Sunday next week with the Father's Day. This, uh, the girls are going to learn some stuff at 2 o'clock today, and they're going to practice that on y'all next week. I don't know anything else. I was just told to announce that. Um, no, not really, but it's going to be great. Can't wait to hear how Father's Day goes next week. But uh, I am so privileged to be here. I've um, been, uh, this is my fourth time at Elevate um, in the last few years. I came back when, the, when y'all were in the school, um, back in those days. How many of y'all were there back in the school in the old days? Um, so uh, I was there, and then I've been here three times now. So it's really great. And as um, Pastor Beaver said, uh, I'm an overseer. Uh, several of us pastors um, uh, oversee as far as part of your church governance. So you can see my Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that there. If you ever want to add me to make sure you can oversee me, make sure I'm living up to uh, what God is doing in my life. But also it's, it's great to connect. A few of y'all already connected today uh, saying, oh, you haven't, I'm surprised you're in America. You're, um, and so um, I, I, I serve at Celebration Church in Jacksonville, Florida for 15 years now. Uh, our lead pastor is Stovall Weems. I've been an associate pastor, a youth pastor, and now I'm an international operations and missions pastor. So I, I do a lot of stuff uh, with missions. I've been a missionary, and I uh, oversee missionaries and churches now in Tel Aviv, uh, Israel, um, uh, Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, um, and Hilversum, Holland, and in Paris, France. So we've really had um, an incredible time down there in Jacksonville. If you're ever in Jacksonville, please come see us. Um, and... Um, so I bring greetings on behalf of my church back in Jacksonville, but also my, my wife and kids, my wife, Rachel, um, and my two kids, Annika and Trinity. They're both turning, uh, one, the youngest is turning seven, the oldest is turning nine next month. They're over in Forest, where I grew up, um, over in Scott County. Yes, I drove one hour and 31 minutes this morning, 5.30 to come see you. Um, but hey, um, they're over there this morning fishing with grandma and grandpa. That's what happens uh, when you come to Mississippi. You just can't. So they're playing hooky today. My wife actually is in Israel today. She's, for the first time ever, she's on a, uh, uh, with her seminary, Regent University. She's in Israel today. I think she's watching online. Hey, babe, I uh, hope you're enjoying walking in the steps of Jesus. Um, that's something I wish I could do more often. Um, so she is there, and it's really special for uh, us and for her, and I'm really proud of and thankful for her. We've, um, I've known Pastor Robert for Almost 25 years. They, they leave that open-ended about how long I've been as youth pastor. You know, I, I became as youth pastor in 1995, and some people, you know, they just don't grow out of adolescence when they turn 18 or 19. But when he met Amanda, then he became a man. <laughs> so we love Pastor Robert and Amanda. Don't you love them? Put your hands together for your staff, your lead pastors. Man, love them so much. I got to have a a meal with them Friday night, and just so excited that they got to go out and have a little vacation and um, be able to come and worship with you as we have a few times when we get to come home and see family. So, um, so yeah, we were in uh, Ireland for six years. I have some pictures of our Ireland and Scotland adventures for six years. We were church planting over there. Um, so I'm you know, now a pastor to missionaries and to mission teams and um, in a church that sends out a whole lot of them and um, just have a real passion for missions and um, for, the, for the, the Great Commission. And that's what we're going to be in today. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Um, and so we're going to be there today. We're going to look at uh, the Great Commission and also the day of Pentecost together and see what God has in store for us here in summer school. Summer school. I like Pastor Robert saying, you know, summer comes around, it's time to play some games. And of course, he would say, 
you know, as you can turn to Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 2. But of course, as he would say, you know, his favorite game when he was a kid's hide and seek, go figure, sneaky, unpredictable, skinny. He was skinny back in the day. Um, you know, that game never quite worked for me. It just, for some reason, I'm not aesthetically ready to play that game very well. I wasn't I don't know what it was. You look at the best tips on how to play hide and seek, and it's like get behind small things. And, you know, I was 150 pounds in the third grade. So, I mean, like I could not hide from anybody. And you had to be fast and sneaky. And I was not fast. And um, so, yeah, I was not into hide and seek. But, um, and like Pastor Robert said last week, as we started going through this teaching series, God's not into it either. He's not into us uh, having to hide from him. And I want to continue in that vein today because I think that's part of what the Great Commission and the Day of Pentecost are all about, is that we don't have to hide from God, that he wants to bring all his kids home, and that he has a plan for the earth and has a plan for every family and every church and every community on the planet. So Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, thank God, to the very end of the age. And then we skip to Acts chapter 2. So that was the Great Commission just before the ascension when Jesus went to heaven. And here's the Pentecost. So understanding the difference in the two, when Jesus ascended to heaven, it wasn't just like he flew away like a rocket man. But he ascended to his throne at the right hand of the Father at his ascension. So Jesus being risen from the grave and 40 days of the disciples and the ascension was about him being enthroned. But Pentecost 10 days later was about us being empowered. So he's enthroned and now we're empowered and we celebrate that across the earth today on Pentecost Sunday. Not just us, several hundred people here in Vicksburg, Mississippi, but billions of believers across the planet are celebrating this with us today. So we're part of a much bigger story than just the story we, we know. And then Acts chapter 2, here's the story of the church starting to take form. As the people started to become empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry out Jesus' mission, in the Great Commission, it wasn't just for missionaries or pastors or super-Christians. There aren't such thing as super-Christians, right? Um, but the Great Commission's for everybody. See, it's not something at the end of the book of Matthew that the really good Christians do. Go into all the world, teach, make disciples, baptize. This is a summary of what Jesus did in his 33 years on earth. It's not an appendix to the Gospels. It is the Gospel. So he's, that's his mission. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them everything I've commanded you. I'll be with you always. That's Jesus' mission. And here in the day of Pentecost, here is God's people joining his mission. God's church taking on his mission. So in Acts 2, verse 42, after thousands of people um, gave their lives to Christ, that in one day, it says that the, the new church dev devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many uh, wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued together in the temple courts. They're carrying out God's mission. And it says, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Today, Elevate, such an honor to be with you. I want to talk to you about the mission of God. And I've entitled this message, Set the Table. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for these people. Thank you for this church, for its leadership. We thank you for King Jesus, who made all of this possible. We ask you bless us today, Lord. Help us to hear from you. We know you're here, and we lean in to listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you felt like you worked really hard to get something. Blood, sweat, tears, even prayer maybe. Maybe even financially, investment of time, heart and soul only to get to the moment when you thought, think you might get it, and it slips out of your hands. It could be a, a, a career, a relationship, some property, opportunity. I feel like the, more, the older we get, the more times it feels like we encounter days like that, where it feels like everything we work for or something we've worked very hard for doesn't quite arrive when we think it's going to happen. Um, and the disciples may have felt this way when Jesus was being crucified, maybe even when he rose from the dead, probably definitely when he ascended to heaven, because they're thinking he left. But here they are at the day of Pentecost, getting everything back and more. But I think all of us have had days like that. I can think about, I was thinking about a day where, a time where we had something like that happen. Um, having been a missionary for six years and then moving back overseas from being a missionary, you kind of learn to start holding on to things a little loosely as far as worldly possessions. You know, the bachelor furniture, that kind of left. It pretty much did leave right when I got married. My wife's like, we're not keeping that, 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 or that. Um, you can have a closet, and we're going to make sure it's organized. So, but I, we've been married 15 years now. We got married a year after Robert and Amanda. Um, and by the way, happy six years, Elevate Church. Come on, y'all. Six years here. So good. We were celebrating with y'all several weeks ago. Um, and, and Pastor Robert been married 16 years. And I remember him seeing him on his honeymoon. Ran into him in Florida, and, and, um, but I got married a year later. So, but having been married a few years and becoming a missionary, you start letting go of stuff because it costs a lot to ship something overseas. And so we got rid of almost everything when we moved overseas. And then we had an opportunity to move back and oversee missionaries and missions throughout the earth and still work with our same home church. So once again, we purged. You know, if you ever one of those days, you're like, you know what? I wish we could just get rid of everything and start over. You might be called to be a missionary because you almost have to do that. So be careful what you wish for. Um, but we came back across the ocean um, back at the end of 2016 after being six years in Ireland. And we did bring some furniture. But my wife said, I need to buy one thing for our new house. There's one thing I want to get. I don't want to go to a thrift store. I don't want to go to even a furniture store. I, don't want, I want to have this something made. Just There's one thing in our house that I, I'm not going to take a hand-me-down or some, or some kind of deal on. And I was like, okay, that can't be that different. I mean, I'm thinking maybe, I don't know, a bed? I don't know, what, what is it? You know, but th- no, she'd been watching Fixer Upper, which I didn't know it happened. I was learning this, moving back across the ocean, this phenomenon, Chip and Joanne. Thank you, guys. Uh, and then hometown, she's got a little Mississippi in her now. She's from Iowa, so she's watching some Laurel, Mississippi stuff. And of course, the one thing she wanted crafted just right for her house was her kitchen table, our kitchen table. She said, I've always had hand-me-downs or a deal or this or that or 
this time I want a table. I want us to have a table that fits right. It's not in the way, but where, where our family can gather around. And I'm thinking, hey, I got no arguments about sitting down at the table and taking in some food, somebody. Um, so I said, go ahead, babe, whatever it costs, whatever it costs. And so I paid for that more ways than one. Uh, she went and she found what she wanted. She found some designs online. And as she was searching online, she got a Facebook message from a table maker. She had not even, met, she had not even messaged him, but then he messaged her. And she's like, how does this work? Is my phone listening to me? And we would find out, of course they do. Um, so this table maker who lived in our zip code, he messaged her and said, I can make you a table. What table do you want? And he showed some he had made. And so she designed it and he said, I can do it. Here's the cost, pay half up front, half on delivery. Talk to him on the phone. He sounds nice. Let's do this. So this was all done while I was at work. I come home. I order the table. That's great. It's being built. Good. It'll be in on Friday. Awesome. That's like, you know, early in the week. So Friday comes around. He calls. I'm sorry. It's not ready yet. Working on a couple of things. Saturday, she contacts him. When should we be at home? Uh, uh, it's not ready yet. Sunday, we can't find him. Monday comes around. We can't find him. Our table that we had paid for, at least half, we had invested in. Suddenly, this guy has disappeared on Facebook somewhere. Maybe he's in Russia. I do not know what's going on. But here, she calls, and finally, he picks up his phone. He's in Georgia. I live in Florida. And he pulls that, oh, I got bad reception. I can't hear you. So at this point, she's just feeling duped. She calls me at the bottom, man. She's like, I'm so sorry. John, I'm so sorry. I have been swindled. She said, I went online, I found some reviews, and they weren't actually positive on this guy. I think we've been duped. I'm so sorry. Um, I said, well, and she said, I'm going to leave some reviews. <laughs> so she leaves a review. So did she leave a negative review? Yes, she did. Did she leave another negative review? Oh, yes, she did. Did she leave some choice voicemails? I believe so. Did she call the sheriff's department and have them go to his house to see if he was a real person? Yes, she did. Uh, the girl's got some gangster in her, Okay. <laughs> So this all happened like on my Monday at work. So I come home and like the sheriff's office went by his house. I'm like, you called the sheriff's office just because somebody on Facebook wouldn't do this or that. But I, I understood. I'm like, okay, he wasn't home. Okay. And then, so I contact him and he's back in Florida magically. He says, um, okay, okay, okay. I can, I can meet you tonight at the table. But what a journey that was. What a process that was. And how our emotions went up and down and all around just over trying to get a table. But something we were hoping for, something we were believing for, and it didn't come in the timing we had hoped it would happen. It didn't happen the way we would hope it would happen. And all our emotions were just all over the place. And I feel like the disciples felt somewhat like this, but Jesus wasn't surprised by any of it. A matter of fact, you know, Jesus, he paid an ultimate price to, to accomplish his mission. He paid an ultimate price. He, he had lived for three and a half years on earth. He had gone to the cross, died for our sins. He'd risen from the grave. He had paid the price. And it felt like for a moment there before his resurrection, maybe the devil had won. But the devil didn't win. And then he comes to be with the disciples for 40 days after he's resurrected, but then he leaves again. And the disciples are wondering what in the world is going on. But it's just Jesus taking his mission and empowering the disciples, us, to do it. So there's a few things about God's mission I want to bring up today from the scriptures. If you would look with me um, back at Matthew 28, 
And, and you would see, um, before the Great Commission, verse 18 is there. Because he says, therefore, go into all the nations. So why go into all the nations? And it says this in verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. So this is, this is how, this is why. This is, he's about to tell them the what, but the reason was he's been given all authority. God has all authority. So it's like this, Jesus made the mission possible. He's not giving them a mission impossible Tom Cruise dilemma here. He made the mission possible. He's telling the disciples, hey, I died for mankind's sins. I went to death, hell, and the grave. I got the keys. I came back. I resurrected. I have all authority in heaven and earth. And because I do, I'm going to empower you. We're going to make this mission possible. It is possible. Listen, the very fact you're in church on a Sunday morning in June, no matter what your journey is taking you through, is a demonstration that the mission is possible because God did not give up on you. And somehow inside of you, you have not yet all the way given up on him just because, I mean, you're here. That speaks volumes. And a lot of you are very progressed in your faith. You've rode through the seasons of life, but God made it all possible. Jesus made the mission possible. And it didn't just start in the book of Matthew. We looked throughout the, the original Testament, the Old Testament, the ancient scriptures, and we see that this mission has been God's mission all along. He's been planning this since eternity. God didn't just happen to, to figure out who you are and decide to save you one day. He's been planning this through all eternity. He started in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, his first two kids, right? And his mission, even then, was to bring everybody into his fold. His mission was intimacy, relationship, peace, prosperity, blessing, fruitfulness on his family, his kids from the very start. But we know that Adam and Eve played some hide and seek and they failed God. They, they sinned against God and they banished themselves from God's table. They ate from the one, I mean, even the imagery of table is throughout the Old Testament they literally ate the wrong food at the wrong table. They went to the wrong table or tree and took the wrong fruit. They went to the wrong table instead of being at God's table. And so God banished them from having that direct access to him. But you see throughout the Old Testament, these instances of God continuing to reach from his heaven to our earth to have that mission accomplished again. You see him in Abraham. You, you see that Abraham, God calls him out in Genesis 12 and says, look at all the stars in the sky. He said, your descendants will be blessed and they will outnumber the stars in the sky. He's prophesying Jesus. He's saying, I'll be with you. He tells Abraham, go to a place that I'll show you. Choose me as your God. Follow me. And so he steps out in faith. Abraham goes and God does take him to a table one day, but it's on top of a mountain. And God asked him at that table or that altar, to accomplish my mission, Abraham, will you sacrifice your son, your only son? And Abraham, begrudgingly maybe, he said yes. And he was ready to sacrifice his own son thousands of years ago to see God's mission come to pass. But God intervened, right? And he brought a ram out of the thicket and Isaac didn't have to die that day. God spared a life by sending a life. It's a picture and type and shadow of the New Testament of Jesus, Jesus 
replacing us. We deserve to die. We deserve to be punished for our sins, to see God's glory go out in all the nations. But Jesus took the punishment. He's the lamb that got pulled out of the thicket at that table. We see another table with Jacob, Abraham's grandson. He sees a ladder coming from heaven. He wrestles with God all night in a couple of different instances. And what does he do? He builds an altar, a table to represent He said, surely the presence of the Lord has been in this place. So I'm going to image or mirror that intimacy I could have with God. I'm going to build an altar or a table. We see it with Moses. As Moses was preparing to go out, leading millions of the children of Israel across the Red Sea, out of Egypt. The night before they leave, what does God have every family do behind their closed doors? Sit at a table and have the Passover dinner. Again, a type and shadow of intimacy with God and trusting in the lamb that would be slain for the sins of the earth, for our deliverance. So we see the table over and over and over in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We see Jesus himself coming to village after village after village, sitting at tables, sitting with sinners, And it's almost like this. It's like God set the table with Jesus at the cross. God set the table with Jesus and the cross. The cross allowed the table to be set, God's mission to be possible, to be accomplished. And Jesus was called a friend of sinners. At least 10 times in the book of Luke, he's criticized by Pharisees for eating with prostitutes and tax collectors and other sinners. And they started calling him a glutton and a drunkard because it seemed like he continued to want to have that intimate friendship. He sees Zacchaeus on a tree, says, hey, I'm going to your house. We're going to have a party. And we see Jesus over and over and over again sitting at a table with people in intimacy as a type and shadow of the table he one day wants everyone at, the marriage supper of the Lamb. You look throughout the New Testament and you see parables about wedding feasts and everyone's invited, and people don't show up. So he says, go invite the highways and the byways and the lame and the crippled. Bring them all to my, fe- to my feast. You see in Revelation, the marriage supper of the Lamb, you see Jesus talking to the church in Revelation 3, and he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open, I'll do what? I'll come in, and I'll dine with him. I'll eat with them. Not I'll just forgive them their sin. I want to have relationship as family with you. So that's God, God making a place that he set the table with Jesus and the cross. He set the table. So let's look at verses 43 to 46 in Acts chapter 2. Because you see, that's his mission, but now the church needs to get involved in his mission, God's people. So it says that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. So you see, like, the mission was the Great Commission. Day of Pentecost, this is how. If the, if the Great Commission is what, this is the how we are to accomplish this. So then verse 46. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And then verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So 
Yes, God's mission is possible, but, but Jesus, this is an example that Jesus made his mission participatory. It's a participatory mission. It's not just something he does for us. It's not just something we spectate. It's something he does with us as well and in us and through us. His mission invites us to participate and be a part of it and, and be involved as part of his family in his mission. I'll, I'll put it this way. Faith is, is not an individual sport. Faith is a team endeavor. It's not something you do on your own. It's, it's not a spectator sport either. It's not something you can just watch from afar that someone else does for you or, or whatnot. It's, it's participatory. If you look at those highlighted words in verses 43 to 46, you notice something. You notice that the highlighted words I, I highlighted were all plural. He says, everyone was filled. All the believers, together, had, they sold property and possessions. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. Do you see that it's not just an individual thing? There's a togetherness here. There's a family dynamic that goes beyond just you and your private relationship with God. Listen, Jesus wants a personal relationship with us, but not a private one. And so there's an opportunity in his mission to participate together. Amen? All right, four of you, thank you so much. There will be prizes for you after. Um, I'll put it this way. Now we have a place at his table. God set the table with the cross, but now we have a place at his table. His table is not a table for two or a table for three. It's a table that can literally take all the people on the planet. It's this mission to bring all of his family home to him. And he goes over and over again in the New Testament. As I was driving today, this morning at 5.30 a.m., I love you so much, uh, as I drove in this morning and um, coming, coming from Forest, and you can't help when you drive through your hometown if you don't live there anymore, or even when you do, you pass these spots and you start reminiscing, right? Oh, that's that place. That's that town where Forrest won the state championship and nobody could mess with us. Back in 1992, I got the ring. Come on, somebody. Um, we were class 3A. Y'all were 4A at the time, I think, so whatever. But um, there, there's, there's my hometown. And then passing Morton, I was, that's where I grew up. That's where I was saved when I was 11 or 12 years old. And, and, and passing by Pilahatchee, that's where McLean's is and has all that great food that I ate just yesterday with my kids. Um, that's a nice spot, man. Uh, and then I heard about berries. I hadn't been able to go there this time. I went last time that I was here. But, and then there's Jack's, there's Pearl. That's where Robert Andrews went to high school. And, and Adam Godbold and our amazing youth group we had back in the day. And there's Jackson. That's where I had my first youth ministry job where I was Pastor Robert's youth pastor for a few years. And, and you know, there's, there's Clinton where I had a, a football scholarship to Mississippi College that got canceled because they got put on the death penalty by the NCAA in 1993. Thank you, whoever gave away free scholarships and all that back in the day. So, um, and I had to go somewhere else and play football in college. There's Vicksburg. You know, where Elevate Church is, the best church in Mississippi. Um, oh, that gets a cheer? Okay, yeah, all right. Um, I agree with you. I'm with you. Um, but I, as I was reminiscing, I just kept, I was listening to some worship music. I'd tear up a little bit. I'm like, Lord, you've been so faithful to me. 
You've been faithful in every one of those seasons. See, I think about the prodigal son a little bit. I've had my wayward days, as, as you have too, probably. And I look at the story of the prodigal son, and you see him, this, this young man who Pastor Robert's talked about before, and you've read in your scriptures before, the story Jesus tells of a father whose son took his inheritance early, who runs away and spends all his money on wild living and breaks the father's heart. But the son hits the lowest point unemployed, working and eating out of a, out of a hog slop, and then comes to his senses and says, if I just go home, maybe my father will forgive me and let me be a servant or something. And the, we see the father's waiting on him when he comes over the hill. But I don't think the father only waited for him the day that he showed up. I think at that father's table, he didn't put away the chair that his son used to sit in. And when his son left, he left that chair there. And so every time his father passed by that table, he saw that empty chair. Every time he sat at that table, which in a Hebrew home, the table was like your own personal altar, a mirror of the one day table with God in heaven, the feast in heaven, the, the marriage supper in, in heaven with God. It's, a, even, it's even a, a mirror of the temple, which had tables upon altars, all kinds of stuff that represented. But this was your own personal home. And here's that prodigal father, the father of the prodigal son, sitting at that table, looking across at his son's seat. And he had to have his heart crying out, man, I had him. And he slipped through my fingers. I did all of this to get us to this place and take care of my own kids and have a legacy. And he's a wayward son. I had paid this price, but I think I've lost him. And so every day he's at that table, but one day he sees the son show up. And where does he invite him to go that night? Back to the table. Get a ring on his finger. Put a robe on him. We're going to have a party. We're going to bring him back to the table. See, God just wants to bring all his kids home. That's, that's the mission of God. And we can participate in that. Unfortunately, in the prodigal son story, the whole family didn't participate. The older brother didn't like it. But God's, Jesus is painting a picture here of how we can participate. We have a place at his table that is made just for you or just for me, just for us. And we can be a part of his mission. So here's the last piece in Acts chapter 2, verse 46 to 47. The mission is, Jesus makes it possible. It's participatory. The table is set. There's a place at the table set for us. And I would say this. Sometimes we've gotten to a point maybe in our faith where we think that giving our heart to Jesus is all about securing that place in heaven one day. And that I'll be in heaven one day. I don't have to go to hell when I die. I get to go to heaven. And that's great. But Jesus died for more than just that. He didn't just die so that one day your earth, you could go from your earth to his heaven. No, he died so that his heaven could come down to your earth today. So that his kingdom could come. His will could be done on your earth as it is in his heaven. He's not just the God of earth. He's also the Lord of heaven. And he desires to make your home a heavenly outpost on this earth where his peace and his blessings and his promises and his deliverances are just as real to you in this life as they will be in the next. Amen, somebody? That's his desire for us. So we see in the, the church living this out in verse 46. It says every day they continue to meet. And then it says they broke bread. Look at them. They're at tables too. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They ate bread from house to house. They broke bread together in their homes. They, they worshiped God together during, on the weekend or whatnot or sometimes every day, but they also, in their own homes, they said, as, we don't know about the rest of the world, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Jesus is Lord of my house. He's not just Lord of my church. He's also the Lord of my house and my life. And those things are all connected. So not only, you know, does we have a place at his table, but, and not only is this mission possible or participatory, we can now make the mission personal. Because of Jesus, we can make it personal now. Not just a once a week or twice a month kind of thing. It's something personal. I'll say it this way. Now we can give Jesus his place at our table. We can give Jesus his place at our table like the new church did. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together. They praised God. They enjoyed God's favor, not just at church, but also at home. Also at home. You know, I was thinking about... um, about this today and, and coming here, thinking about um, you know, the journey when you meet your old friends like Robert and you see him again, you think about where you've been, what you've been through. And Robert walked with me through some dark periods of my life. Um, I remember back in 2000, uh, 2001, um, I'd, I'd really started to enter a, a season of depression. Robert was in college but, uh, and just finishing college. But during that season, he really ministered to me and uh, I wasn't sure I would ever be in ministry again. I'd, I'd been a youth pastor and just felt like maybe I wasn't called to it. I didn't think I was good enough. I was single in my mid-20s, starting to wonder, like, what's wrong with me? You know, because everybody gets married when they're 19 in Alabama, right? So, um, so here I was in, in Alabama, just depressed and, and moved to Florida and just struggling and going through some heartache, some heartbreak, some, some things that slipped through my fingers, things that are a lot bigger than tables, had slipped through my fingers, some relationships, some friendships, some, I thought, career possibilities. And I got to a low point, and I remember calling him and a couple of their friends. I'd gone through a, a, a bad relational breakup, and I'm like, man, and so if you're single, man, like, we've all been there. <laughs> um, and I was just in that season, and I was talking to one of my friends, a father of one of my friends. He's a retired Christian principal, and, and he said, well, He's like, you're tu- you've turned to God, you know, like you're, you're worshiping every day. You're, are you fasting? Yes. Um, you need healing in your heart? Yes. He said, why don't you take communion in your home? And I just like, Mr. Roy, um, why, why? He said, listen, John, if you were told you had cancer and somebody said, why don't you worship Jesus and take communion in your home? You'd do it. You'd know it was an emergency. you you would do that. And nowhere in the Bible, you know, communion is this, it's a holy thing. But over 2,000 years of Christian, there was only 12 pastors to start with, and it was 5,000 people. They broke bread from house to house. If you do communion with the right heart, the right integrity and mindset and accountability, with reverence, making your own home table an altar to God, that pleases God. It doesn't replace the corporate time together as a family, because remember, Faith is not an individual thing. It's a togetherness. It's a family thing. But 
Jesus is also Lord of your own home, he told me. And so I started taking communion every day. I did it for like 30 straight days. And I'd put on some worship music and just say, Lord, you died for me to have, to not, you died for my healing. You died for my wholeness. You died so that I could see you. Like David said, I want to see the promises and good of God in the land of the living, not just when I get to heaven. And I kid you not, 30 days of that, during that 30 days, God healed my heart. I even met the woman I'd married during that little short season of my life. And it was all a miracle. I, you know, and I paid a price. I had fought for what God had given me. We got married, been married 15 years last April. Uh, two wonderful kids, a great life in ministry. But how many you know, sometimes when you're, you've got things, sometimes you don't hold on to them as tightly. And, and so about a year ago, we just were a, a tough place. And we started seeking God again about maybe not just at church, but what can we do in our home that's different? Our kids were struggling in school. Neither one of them could read. Things were going on. It was just really confusing for us. They were having a hard time. They were crying a lot of nights about missing their friends overseas. And it was a hard transition for us. And so we started taking communion once a week. And I told my family, every week I'm at home on a Friday night, we will have dinner. We'll put away the cell phone. We will turn off Netflix. Come on, somebody. We will all be engaged as a family. We'll celebrate each other. We'll also do communion. I'll pray for everybody in the family so we started doing that. It was awkward at first. I'm a pastor, and it was awkward, okay? But a few months in, then the kids wanted to start praying for us. And then the kids who had hated church, my two little girls, started loving church. They're on the worship team at the kids' church. They go to both services on Sunday. They can't wait to get there. They, they chew me out if I skip on a Wednesday night. They chewed me out for not being at church today in Florida. They're like, why aren't we at church in Florida? I said, okay, we're in Mississippi you know, so they went fishing like Peter would do, you know, when he got mad. So, um, but I'll, when I sit there with my wife and my kids and, my, and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is everything that is most valuable to me. So I'm able to say in that moment, thank you, God, for what you carried me through. That table, that altar, just like the people in the Old Testament, thank you for what you brought us through. And we trust you to deliver us from here. So we invite Jesus into our home. He's already there, but we give him permission in our home. And I want to believe that for Elevate Church as well. Will you not just invite Jesus into your heart? Make a place for him in your home. Make time for him, even as a family. If you're a single person, do what I did. Make time as an individual. Because, hey, you plus God is still a majority, all right? And he can see, maybe you have wayward children. Leave an empty seat and pray for that child while they're not there. Believe God to do miracles in your home. So today I want to tell you, you have a place at God's table, but he also wants a place at your table, Elevate. He wants a place at your table where you can have a type and shadow of what's going to happen in heaven, where you can begin to believe that God's kingdom will come and his will will be done in your house just like it is in his house. And I believe that is the heart cry of a lot of people in here. That God will want this to, that you want your house to have the kind of peace God's house has. So today I'm, I want to pray a prayer for, for the families and homes represented here at, at Elevate that you would 
You don't have to be perfect. I know the first thought you have, you're like, Pastor John, man, you don't understand. We've been divorced. We've been broken. We've been addicted. We've been unfaithful. We've been up and down in yo-yos. We've got regrets. We have hurts. We have shame and condemnation. We're not worthy. And I would tell you this. That's right. You're not worthy. But worthy is the lamb that was slain from the ends of the earth for you and your house and for your city and your church. Amen? Worthy is the lamb that was slain. And there are weeks that go by that I sit at that Friday night table and you find a time. Maybe it's Saturday morning breakfast. I don't know, but slow down. Your family needs you engaged. And it's not just mothers or fathers I'm talking to, teenagers. Your family needs you engaged right now. They have paid a heavy price to get you to where you are. They don't want to see it slip through their fingers, what God has already done in your family and what great things he has planned for you. I mean, teenagers, kids, you're at the most exciting church in Mississippi, all right? So you have to understand that it's hard to to believe that sometimes, but you're in a great opportunity and God needs you engaged too because the people who have paid the heaviest price for you besides Jesus Christ are probably sitting at that table. And no matter what you might believe, they still love you. And, And if you think they're doing it wrong, then pray that God helps them get it right. Don't just walk away from God in that. Ask God for a miracle. I went to church alone when I was 12 years old. My six-year-old brother came with me. My parents had been divorced at that time, living in different states, and remarried. Within three years, everybody in my immediate family was saved, radically transformed from generations of not being in church, generations of being addicted, generations of crime and all kinds of craziness in Scott County lore. And God transformed my mom, my stepdad, my dad, my stepmom, my brother, and me. As long as there's still air in your lungs, God still has a place for you at his table. And he still believes that he can have a place at yours. And you sit under our pastor every Sunday that is an example of that, that God is a father to the fatherless, but he has a family for you and for all of us. Amen? Let's bow our heads for a moment as we go to God in prayer. Maybe today you're like that prodigal son, that prodigal child who left his father's table and you feel far from God today, but today you know God's calling you back to his table. He has a place for you. And so today you know that you you want to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ. We want to give you that opportunity. Also, so in that moment, in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ, then I would ask you to pray this prayer out loud with me. Mean it with your heart. But if you're already a believer... Would you also pray it out loud as an affirmation of your faith and loyalty to Jesus Christ that as for you and your house, you will serve the Lord no matter what you've been through? Would you pray it as well out loud to help some along today that are coming home to our table with our Father? Let's pray it out loud together. Father God, today I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I'm coming home 
Thank you for saving a place for me. I repent of my sins. I accept your forgiveness. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins and make a place for me in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just prayed that prayer out loud for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to celebrate with you. I want to pray for you as I go. But would you lift your hand high if you prayed that out loud for the first time or first time in a long time? That was your commitment, your recommitment. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Amen. 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 We stand for a minute as the family of God together. We celebrate all of you that have come. Let's all stand together, everybody. We celebrate all of you that have come home today to your father and you came to a great table here at Elevate Church and we want to encourage you to stay connected. Stay connected in what's happening in God's body. But I also want to pray a prayer just as an overseer of this church as a blessing, a blessing over your family, over your home. So today, if you want to be included on that prayer that God would sanctify your home, that Jesus, that you're saying, Jesus, you're invited not just into my heart. We're inviting you into our home. As unworthy as we are, worthy is the lamb that was slain. If you want to be included in that prayer, would you just raise your hand right now? And I'm going to pray that prayer over every home that wants us just to dedicate our homes and families and lives to God. Lord, right now, we just thank you. We ask that you bless these families, bless every home in Elevate Church, Lord. Some are here, they're the only member of their family that's here, but God, you see them and you're with them. You plus them is a majority. Others, Lord, we have wayward uh, relatives, children. We've had broken relationships, Lord. We're believing for you to restore to us the years and the pain that the enemies tried to steal from us. You paid the price. Lord, I pray a blessing over them, that the Lord would bless them. He would keep them. Lord, you'd make your face to shine upon them. You would give them peace in their home that every time they walk by the table, that represented altar in their home, they would think about all you've done for them and all that you will do until heaven. And we would just dedicate our homes and our families to you. We thank you, Lord. We, I pray your blessings on this church. Let this church be a light to this city and a light to the nations. Brokenness all around us, but peace, shalom, healing in God's house that is contagious. We thank you for this church and for the pastors and leadership. We ask you bless upon it and bless us as we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.